This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. All right. We are doing it back to front. We're actually doing our introduction, not in post. It makes it a bit easier for this me to episode edit. Was, <laughs> this episode was great. It was such a, <laughs> it was such a good episode, um, especially about 45 minutes in when Delby left, all the puns <laughs> stopped and the boys could talk serious. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Um, we're joined by Corey White today, but before we uh, say hello to Corey... The studio tenancy is potentially going to be uh, in jeopardy. So yeah. Corey White's idea is to put the call out to any listeners that might have mm. some space available for us to uh, move our Hajan's podcast studio. Mm, that would be lovely. So somewhere around Osborne Park or the city would be ideal. Um, so if that's you and you've got some space, even if you're already renting somewhere and there's some dead space. Like an office. Yeah. Because well, yeah. we just need this little area here, so like a four by... Four, four by four, four or by five four. by five. That'd be good. Yeah. So um, hit yeah. us up at potentially. the Hard Yarns podcast. Potentially. potentially. Yeah. Mm. But, but it might, you might have something better. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. It'd be sick. But uh, this episode is brought to you by Raunchy. It's actually good. Uh, it does taste good. Yeah. It's a good beer. Shout out to them for up and joke. They're gonna give us a few um, door girls and a bunch of beer to give away. So. Yeah. Oh, I'm, and speaking of up and joke, uh, Corey, yeah. The, Lovely little role this morning to play, but uh, I am fucked. Yep. <laughs> I'm exhausted. So <laughs> if I sound exhausted during this episode... Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking scarred from what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually did a hammy, so uh, that's going to be interesting. Anyway, uh, fuck, uh, it's next Saturday. Um, not many tickets left, so if you want to come and watch us be silly buggers, um, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Well, it's in the we actually talk about it in the pod. Uh, what else <laughs> do we talk about, Corey? Uh, me... And my triumph at the Melbourne Comedy Festival yeah. and uh, vanquishing the uh, cultural enemies that are ruining the art form in this country okay. and the renaissance that's coming. Fucking, so I couldn't have framed it better myself. And I'm, ass- I, I, I'm just assuming that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> that's Perfect. It. All right, cool. Let's get hard. Let's get Welcome hard. Welcome to Hard Yarns Podcast. I am fucking fat. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Chris White says, please <laughs> disregard it. 5D is actually a state of being. It's a unity consciousness. That was Hard Yarns with me, Frankie Rose. So I'm going to throw it over to your co-host. Daniel Delby. And Cameron Brand. I would do this and then I'd gong. <laughs> Free in attendance for the millions listening at home. <laughs> Let's get hard. Hey guys. <laughs> so I just want to make sure though that the sound is on because I was in Melbourne and I had a call from a dear friend James McCann and he said, Do you know a good podcast that I can do in Western Australia while I'm there? I said, Absolutely, hit up the hard yarns, yeah. boys. And he called me after and said that was one of the Best podcast I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. And then I find out the fucking sound wasn't on. Mate, Mate it was oh, it's a setup nightmare. So this um yeah, the, the setup is good and uh it's it's a bit dodgy. Like from we're having a few camera technicalities because we're having to chop and change a few things. So sometimes you might notice the the screen might blink a bit and whatever. But that's um, because we need some more sponsorship and YouTube subscribers. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. The boys um, are doing it on a shoestring budget Patreon. and you need to put your hands in your shallow pockets. You <laughs> <top>. <laughs> and the issue we had uh, that day was uh, someone came in, used the computer 
unplugged the roadcaster from the, the thing and then didn't plug it back in. We just assumed it was on and we recorded the whole and episode. And obviously that's why they're no longer sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> it was Kyle Legacy was the guy that day, but he oh, didn't know. Oh, fucking hell, Fucking sick. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Before we get onto it, you'll notice I am wearing the pen, right? Um, I am, and I think uh, I think you're give a, you that hat. Yeah, Dave did yeah. actually. Did I am you part sign of it? The, no, but oh. um, I'm part of the Dave Reynolds fan club now. Oh. I'm fucking full on board. Yeah. And he he and I know you you sort of like, uh, you follow him and you mm. you like his stuff. Um, but he the, the the I guess the service and the um and the the way he went above and beyond for me and my daughter on Saturday to just make us feel at home, do it, like got us on the grid, got us to sit in the pit crew, watch the race from down there. And I was worried Scotty was going to not really rate the noise. Um, but she fucking loved it. And um, and he was just treating us like one of one of his mates. And it was just fucking awesome. Just really good day. And it's actually got me right into uh, supercars again. So um, That's good, mate. I, uh, yeah, big shout out to uh, Dave. He came third on the day we were there as well. Got, got a podium, and yeah. poor Scotty got the old uh, champagne showers. <laughs> oh, she was she? like, "Ah, oh, didn't change." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Fuck!" But and the only the only bad part of the day, uh, I'm not joking. Two and a half hours out of the car park, didn't even move for two and a half hours. Like, did not did Super not crawl, slow. did not nothing. Just Why though? I don't get that. The so irony, like you sit there watching cars going fast <laughs> yeah. all day and then yeah. you fucking sat there stationary. So unfortunately, because we were placed, uh, he put he left us tickets at the accreditation centre. So I got there, not, I got a good time, got a good parking spot towards the exit. So like everything lined perfectly. And then I went to the front uh, counter to get the, the tickets and they're like, oh no, the accreditation centre's back down Nees Road. You're going to have to go back to the go-kart and go in there and get it. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. So I had to go back, drive there, get it. And then as I got back, we were put all the way at the end, like the very, the furthest point of the, literally the back of the car park. Mm. And so all of these people are trying to get out of this car park at the same time. So they're, they're slowly creeping, but no one from behind can move forward because the people are letting other people in. So the last people to move out were us, and That's we were fucked. the last, probably one of the last people to get out. I hate lines. Well, I, I hate li- like standing in lines. <laughs> <laughs> I hate standing in line. It's literally the, the I fucking cannot stand well, it. Well, it was so un. Like you sort of knew it was going to be a long way, but it was so. It wasn't even moving, it wasn't even crawling. It was so slow that you just. Oh well, it is what it is. Yep. Listen to the footy. Scott, Scotty had her. Scotty had her iPad, and there was no. My phone had died, so there was no reception. No, I couldn't spot, hot spot her some internet to watch her YouTube kids and keep her entertained in the car. And um, yeah, and she watched the Grinch, which had been downloaded on on Netflix. So did you twice, do a live reenactment? Twice or almost twice the whole way through before we started moving. That's how you know they don't understand the words. They're just watching. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she fun. knows now because she calls me the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> yada, yada, the Grinch. <laughs> yeah, I messaged Brady Blake. I said we had Dave Reynolds on. Um, and oh, he's he a big him. fan of yours. Yeah. He goes, mate, we DM each other like 16-year-old girls. I'm even switching favourite race team. It's pretty serious. Yeah. <laughs> he messaged me after that. App. Such a good dude. Well, Dave said his favourite uh, guests... Uh, recently were Wolfie and <laughs> he said, he, well he did say Wolfie he said that screaming bloke <laughs> 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 um, and he said and Brady Blake he was yeah. like he's one of us he's one of us and yeah. I was like one of us and he's like one of us, one of you us. Know. and I was like yeah one of us yeah. so yeah um, speaking but of Wolfie he, he 
was very thankful. I spoke to him yesterday. You got him a few spots to save his Melbourne trip. Yeah, so I uh, I ran a couple of shows in Melbourne, one of which was the showcase gig, and Wolfie was there for the last uh, weekend. And I gave him the instructions. I want your most degenerate, debased, insane self on that stage. Yeah. And the man delivered. Yeah. He was uh, in great form. So just himself. Yeah. <laughs> unleashed him on some of the good burgers of Melbourne. Did and he say that you should put your dick in the bin? No. But <laughs> Is he doing that as a scoop his balls out? Yeah, no, yeah. he did do that bit, yeah. yeah. Um, Is he doing that as a bit now? He's doing that as that a bit. Sucks. And there was one set where he was killing and then I think he went for the dick scooping bit. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I lost you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't like it. Uh, oh, but I don't he, know. But he won him back. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, it's one of my favourite things to watch, a comedian like The Wolf. Yeah. And it's like mm. a tornado and it goes between Category 5 and Category 1 yeah. Yeah. all within the space of 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, speaking of Melbourne, you're sporting a wonderful China there. Yeah, yeah it's and dissipated Afri- a little bit. Well, I won't say black eye or whatever you say these days. Yeah, well, it was very purple, a purple uh, eye. at its peak. Mm. But uh, look, we'll save that story for the end because that was uh, probably the... Crescendo. Oh. The Alphabet community would have been absolutely stoked to see that. Yes, well, look, there was a lot of people who thought, fucking finally, Corey's got a punch in the head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there was a few nights... I, I was one of them. <laughs> there was probably a few nights I deserved a punch in the head, to be uh, honest. Yeah, but the night yeah. I got one, I didn't deserve it. So yeah, right. that's life for you. But uh, yeah, nah, mate, on the back of the, the success of Adelaide, because I think last time I was on the pod, I said that... Um, we're talking about Dave Chappelle and the, and the Fringe Festival mm-hmm. and the fact that there was a cultural election taking place yeah. and that we were winning in a landslide. Oh, it's uh, and we repli- replicated it in Adelaide yep. uh, and even bigger in Melbourne. So so you're seeing a, a mo- even in... Huge shift. Even and in Melbourne. Can, and you can wa- and wow. Melbourne especially because Melbourne's kind of been the epicentre for this... Um, uh, sort of waterboarding of an agenda and, you know, forcing uh, mediocrity and this uh, neo-progressive ideology down everyone's throats via comedy. Yeah. Um, and the Melbourne Comedy Festival probably had its most embarrassing year this year. Wow. Um, oh, I, d- I did look through the the Facebook the other day. The Facebook? Fuck, this no. can't turn 80. No, the Facebook, sorry, the Facebook Melbourne page. Oh, my Melbourne God, page. I thought you were lying. No, 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 not the Facebook. <laughs> uh, no, the Facebook Melbourne Comedy Festival page. And it is all, except I've seen two straight white Aussie blokes and the rest was lesbians. And the, and the straight white it, blokes it they do promote are the most... Um, Safe. In sen- oh, well, sen- you know, the anodyne, right? They're safe. They're yeah. not going to offend anyone and yeah. they're the, the pets of, I guess, Susan Proven. And it's not that I think that, like, the, the lesbians or, or the uh, the trans uh, co- comedians are poor. It's just that's all it was. Yeah, and right. so there's no diversity yeah, from too much... Yeah. Well, from going too down the PC. Yeah, like exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, she's a good comedian. He's a great comedian, whatever, blah, whatever. But fucking give us some more. Like, yeah. not just... And it, it was almost oppressively... Over, it was overwhelming and how much. people across the country are so wise to this. I mean, mm. I've been calling this negative queering. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, when it comes to comedy, Australians aren't homophobic, but they're definitely homo-fatigued. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like I said last time, I'm 
unvaccinated, I'm a small minority of the population, but I'm not demanding we remake society in my own image. And I'm certainly not demanding the festival uh, market itself around uh, our identity. Mm. My, my, my uncle, for example, he's the most progressive. Oh, I fucking love it. He's like a, he's a hippie. He's all for everything's love of everyone. And even he's he's the same. We were watching it down there in, uh, earlier in the year. We were watching replays, actually, I think of last year's one. And he's like, they're the fucking... Gala. Yeah, the gala. And he said, they're just throwing it in your face. It like, it's, a, it's too much. It the gala too. I watched it and it was just like, these people were bombing in a theatre. Mm. Like, how do you bomb in a theatre? Especially in circumstances where, I mean, this is the dark age of democracy, but the golden age of satire. I mean, there's so much fodder mm. if you're a socio-political comedian. Yeah. But um, if you're a Melbourne comedian who says, my gender, race and sexuality is the most interesting thing about me and I'm a victim. Yeah. Uh, people have had enough. They want something mm. with some substance and... Most of the Melbourne comedics, uh, comedians, the only substance they have is an eclipse seal bag. So, mm. <laughs> well, we won't. Do, we won't not hate that I that. Yeah. that, but you know, it's not a personality. Uh, it feels yeah. like we've we've rode the wave and we're we're fine. We're, I'm always, it's it is. You, you said uh, people are getting that homo fatigue. They're also getting that almost talking about it fatigue. Yeah, us mentioning it. Like, yeah, I'm over talking. I, I feel like we've won. <laughs> Feel like we've well, we've, there's nothing we've to win. It's not just win, but like won the not won the battle, like but won the. It's it's we've, just we've held on, we've held on, and it's starting to go back and the other way. That's created a currency in of itself. That authenticity and the the courage to stand against the mob and the prevailing winds of, of the time. Mm. That's what art's for, you know, to sail against the currents of your own time and uh, let the chips fall how they may. And when they fall, and people realise who was standing when it mattered. Mm. Uh, that uh, generates a lot of goodwill and uh, adds to your brand. I think. I think the I hate this corporate, but adds to your brand. What mm. a <laughs> wanker! Well, I think the only thing I reg- regret, yeah, regret Sorry. over the whole like COVID stuff, for example, the jab. Um, my stance: I'm obviously unvaccinated, and I wasn't overly vocal about it. I was against the mandates, but I didn't say I'm proudly unvaccinated and I'm making a stand for people who want to do that. With a platform like this, I probably could have actually been more open about it. I was worried about losing my job, and I had mm. lied. Um, or I'd, I'd allegedly, sh- no, I'd well, lied. So, man, I lied to SBS. I mean, I was the same as you, Branch. I didn't tell SBS about you know my status, and you know I was kind of keeping a low profile, yeah, because of you know I was worried to get cut from that show. And but once that was done, you know, I mm. did become a little bit unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure if I was unhinged or I was having a sane reaction to an insane society. And I think the truth somewhere in the middle because these things aren't black and white. You mm. know, there's a huge grey area in that. Yeah. So I'm a very proud non-binary thinker <laughs> in that regard. But um, It was hard not to let it overwhelm you and, and sometimes you would lose your um, composure. I would, sorry. I would lose my composure. Mm. Um, and get angry at someone or something in a situation instead of just going, no, 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 you're doing you. It's not up for you to try and convince anyone else. I'd, I'd get angry at some things and I'd uh, melt down and then I'd pull myself back a couple of weeks later and go, fuck, didn't need to talk like that, didn't need to express this opinion and this is me. This is well, I'm just doing it and, um, and I'll, I'll hopefully be vindicated in my thoughts. And mo- in the end, my thoughts on, for example, and on the jab were just to just wait because I felt like I was in a safe place to be able to do it. There wasn't any evidence to just suggest I was going to stop giving it to someone else, so I was just going to wait. And if it was end up going to be, there was going to be some data that suggested this is going to save you and help you and help others, I would have bought in. I wonder if you guys just got lucky that you're right. 
Potentially. You know? Oh, I, I've it, often thought about that. You know, what if it was ended up being what they were saying and you weren't lied to? The only thing... you're fucked. So, you, as in... playing the, devil's advocate here, but, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. trusting what you think is, is mm-hmm. right, what happens if <laughs> the government doesn't lie to you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, you going know, off the track record of the last 20 yeah. years, I was pretty confident yeah. going in. I don't think you, anyone can ever trust mainstream media or the government again. Almost no, on anything. Absolutely not. Ever. And this is the thing that, the, the I guess, the vaccine debate, or lack thereof, has really highlighted is... Yeah. Uh, how the political establishment and the media establishment are no longer fit for purpose. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they're just there as window dressing and they're no longer mm. viable. And uh, I did an event with a guy called Peter Bogosian in Melbourne with uh, the Discernible crew, and he's sort of a, a rock star academic. Uh, and he was saying, you know, that you've got to build your own institutions now yeah. because you can't change these institutions from the inside and it's about building your own mm. uh Similar to what you guys are doing. It's kind of I mean. scary though, because now, like, what if we're someone's mainstream media source and we've got just as much? Yeah, Raunchy pulling the strings. <laughs> yeah. The puppet masters over at Raunchy. Yeah, but yeah. like, uh, that's what I mean. Like now, there's so there's distrust in mainstream, and they put trust in something else. But that something else might be just as fucked up. Well, trust is a funny thing, right? Because trust takes uh, time to build and to earn, mm. right? You. you earn uh, a trust and it's uh, hard to make and easy to break mm. trust um, so I think that's why you've got to be always uh, forthright yeah. and honest and own your mistakes when you make them because that shows the depth of character and yeah um, so yeah did you make any mistakes in Adelaide uh no, I didn't make any mistakes. You know what's so funny about Adelaide, right? Because so, didn't you have some protesters? Uh, so in Adelaide, uh, I do this bit in my show about uh, Amber Heard and women who make up fake stories and make it harder for the next woman to come forward who's got a legitimate story to tell. Yep. And I, I did this joke and I had this purple-haired bint who was an annoying heckler who worked for the festival in Adelaide. Uh, she was a problematic heckler all night and deliberately so. It's interesting that she works for the festival and she's heckling you. And then uh, she went and made up a story that I threatened her with rape during the show. And why did you do that? Well, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, my phone malfunctioned that night and the recording didn't take. Oh. Uh, so uh, an AFL legend who was attended the night before had sent one of his mates in who was a, uh, a senior copper with Adelaide Detectives. Yeah. Uh, and he was prepared to, to say uh, I didn't say that Beautiful. because he sat there and watched it. But my non-binary sound technician came to the rescue. Really? Uh, because they've been sitting there all week hearing me uh, extol my <laughs> philosophy about art and everything that's wrong with it in this country. And he said, no, Corey didn't say He said or they said? They said yes. Yeah, Look, I, so I, I assume it's pretty hard when you see a, a, a person <laughs> with stubble uh, and try and refrain <laughs> from referring to, to them yeah. with the wrong pronoun. It's yeah. But the non-binary person... Yeah, and you. I thought that was testament to how uh, powerful my show was. Mm. Uh, but Adelaide was a stunning success, mate. I sold out a lot of uh, my gigs and I was locked out of all the showcase spots, you know, because of, you know, personal politics, etc. cetera. Uh, and then to sell the tickets that I did was quite an achievement. Uh, and there was a comedian next to me, and I don't want to use the word comedian, who's a, a non-binary who was there on an arts grant who sold a fraction of the amount of tickets that I did uh, and won the award for the best comedy. Amazing. Uh, So, you know, now these awards are becoming uh, badges of dishonour in a way. This is sort of what we spoke about with Ed 
the other yeah, day. Like, Ed you don't was need saying to have a message. He's like, uh, people will come away from comedy, and if there's not five minutes of no laugh, they're like, oh, all they did was jokes. Yeah. That's all they did for an hour was, was do comedy. Well, not even that. I mean, the, this modern left wing comedy has just become a victim impact statement. Yeah. And you saw it at the gala, and you can see it in the metrics online. I mean, I went through and looked at the numbers and some of the views that some of those Melbourne comedy festival clips have on their YouTube channel. Some of them have got 600 views and they've been up there for a month. I put a rape joke up from SBS and I had 5,000 views in one day. Yeah. And my account shadow banned. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, That's from your haters though going, look at this cunt. Well, <laughs> sharing it. But it was all the vaccine <laughs> stuff too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, they are losing a cultural election in a landslide and the ones who can't see it are just blinkered by ideology. And as far as I'm concerned, I want them to keep the blinkers on because uh, mm. they're cancelling themselves into irrelevance. Yeah. And uh, I'm very excited. Mm. I think it's quite brave for your sound tech to come out and go against their own Fucking people. oath it was. I know, yeah. And I bought him a gi- them a gift. Uh, for doing so um, because, yeah, it could have quite easily just said, oh, yeah, that guy's a prick. Yeah. Yeah. I heard what he said and fuck him, let's get yeah, rid of him because they were going to can me. Yeah. Uh, and that was in, you know, after the fourth show or something. Mm. Uh, so it was very stressful. Uh, but, you know, all's well that ends well and those who laugh the last laugh the hardest and mm. carried that momentum into to Melbourne and... Uh, yeah, what a month that was. Yeah. I was going to ask you, are you doing any reflection? Because now that you're getting notoriety from from all this sort of style, are you doubling down knowing that it's going to help propel your comedy and your ticket sales? Or are you aware that, like, what's the word? Not pigeonholing, but like yeah, well, you're going to go that hard or go harder. I didn't ever want to be pigeonholed as the... The anti-vax comedian or or a shock comic or an anti-woke comic, you know. Like anyone who's known my body of work for longer than two years knows that I've got a breadth and depth to it. Yeah, you've always, even when I first saw um, you eight years ago. So, yeah, I mean, it was really nice to um, reconnect. It was nice to find the person that I was and the comedian that I was at the beginning of 2021 again. Mm. Um, I I felt like I really connected with that and... um, yeah, it just it shows through and it, it's authentic and you know, it was really nice to have the resonance in Melbourne that I did because this perception of Melbourne that it's all full of these blue hair, purple hair, non-binary, polyamorous, mm. fair trade losers. Mm. Uh, the majority of people in Melbourne are normal. Mm. They go to the footy. I mean, you see how many people go to the footy and it's just a, a small group who've got the cultural megaphone yeah. Yeah. and are uh, imposing their taste on, on everyone. Yeah, um, that sucks as well. And and also because the majority don't give a fuck, mm. the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and mm. the majority don't want them to feel offended, so they think that everyone agrees with them. But reality is, you're just silent to not go. Well, actually, it's not that bad because who am I to say if you're offended? I won't be like, well, you shouldn't be offended. Mm. Yeah, you just go, oh, I'll fucking, and we just you just don't say anything. Mm. It's like what normal people do. If I was like, man, this fucking dog, he called me a bitch, you'd be like, oh man, that sucks. Mm. You wouldn't go, well, I found it funny. I think that's what happens with the main, with the majority. Empathy, yeah, empathy. Yeah, the yeah. empathy. We've we got better empath- shit to do than complain yeah. about trivial things. Victim mentality is, you're right, man. It's a fucking plague. Well, and this is what's so wrong. And in life as well, not even just with comedy. 100%. And when it manifests in a, in a personal sense, um, I mean, victimhood is a terrible thing. Yeah. When it manifests in a national sense, like the Chinese or the Israelis, they see themselves as victims. Mm. Uh, and to an extent, the Chinese are. Uh, but it manifests in unhealthy ways when mm. victimhood is the sort of central part of 
your philosophy. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I try not to see myself as a victim. And uh, well, I think we're Chinese, winning because of it. They do get a little bit. Well, even Russian, Russian, the Russian people, like yeah, you were saying you felt <coughs> you when you were talking to Russians over in Bali. Yeah, they felt embarrassed to say that they were Russian. Yeah, and it's got and nothing to do with them as a person. Yeah, and it's also they're they're not necessarily yeah yeah they're they're not bad people at all. No, um, and like some of the stuff that's happened to them, they vindicate. They feel they actually feel yeah fucking well and we probably have a lot in common with them in that regard don't we and some of the the russians that i've spoken to on these situations are not embarrassed of russia themselves they're more worried about if you say you're russian it's the people from the outside and their you know their biased opinions on what a a russian is yeah and what they're they're like whereas uh, every russian i've met is a fucking legend (laughs) it's funny when you go to parts of asia though and you see hotels with signs that (laughs) says no russians no israelis you know (laughs) it's just like in thailand i think they're a little bit forceful yeah um the russian mafia over there is pretty heavy and so they're not as liked over in thailand i know that but um even like the chinese with that victim stuff like TikTok is not doing anything worse than Facebook or fucking Instagram oh, yeah. or Twitter. Well, actually, maybe Twitter's cleaned so up now. I, I, yeah, they're all doing the same thing, but yeah. I think TikTok's got a different tactic in the sense that it is trying to dumb down the Chinese competitors or enemies. Yeah. Mm. You know, like I think we've talked about this before, where yeah. in China, TikTok is doing science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Yeah. Here it's pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. But it's isn't that algorithmic as well, based off what people are looking at in your area? Or yeah, but they can promote further. So yeah. if it's in your, if it's on your for you page, or you, yeah. yeah. Now it's banned in government. Like TikTok's banned in government buildings. Facebook is just as intrusive. Yeah, but it's not. Would well, you know what's so funny is that when Donald Trump took power and there was the trade war and mm. there was a negotiation, one of the first items of business was to negotiate the transfer of ownership of Grindr. The, the gay who, owns it? who owns it? The Chinese. Really? Right, because espionage has this rich history of um, homosexuals who, you know, because they've had to yeah. get used to hide in plain sight and... Not anymore. Not anymore, <laughs> but, you know, to think that, the you know, the Americans and the Chinese were sitting there negotiating over Grindr because the Americans are worried about the members of their security establishment having, you know... Mm. themselves identified via dick pics or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that blows my mind. <laughs> it's hard crazy. to tell Chinese apart as is. Well, have you, <laughs> have you even seen the like, Apple iPhones are constantly every five seconds taking oh, that's photos fucked, yeah. of you? You've seen that? No. Right. So if, if, if you look at you infrared. in infrared and you've got your phone on yeah, or phone, it's constantly taking a every, every five, five seconds, seconds. Taking a photo in infrared. And they said, it's so scary, man. At, at, at one point, it was a conspiracy theory, and then Apple owned up and said, "Yeah, yeah, we're doing it to refine our uh, what oh is yeah, it? It's all about product ID. refinement. Phone all about product refinement. Yeah, refine mm. our face ID. So it's constantly. So when I'm sitting there, we're looking at Pornhub, mm. having a wank. Fucking cheers, yeah. cunts. <laughs> I always think someone's watching, so I. <laughs> I'll make sure it looks a bit bigger and it lasts a bit longer than normal. Oh, I try to make it bigger. It doesn't work. Oh, that's because oh, it's fucking already Another big. one I saw this morning on West Coast Highway Ranch. Christ, mate. And if you want to know what we're talking about. Up in joke up too. Up in joke too. The old Check it sea out. cucumber fucking left the water. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's gone for a little hike. Yeah. But uh, we do. Well, Corey, you're going to be on up in joke too. Mm. And people are always asking us what the fuck. Well, people just don't know what it is. Yeah. Really, we found because yeah, it's a true. rule of thumb, people are dumb. 
Well, it's just a, it's a, it's a, a, for lack of a better word, it's a comedy show, comedy variety show. Yeah. Where we have stand up comedy, live yeah. performances, sketches, like video sketches, um, public pranks, character stuff, kind of like the old sketch house. Yeah. I guess. Um, the, t- the Tension 11 preview, which we just watched, and I had fucking hairs on the back You'd of my love neck. It. Mate, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I grew up on those. Oh, just thinking bits. of some of it. And our intro video, we just did a premiere at Whitey's. Oh, fucking, he is Nailed it. Yeah, he's so talented. He's yeah. um yeah, that is I again, uh fucking losing it and and the build up towards the end. It's very good. Yeah. And then um even you would have seen this morning the little secondary videos that come after it with the helicopter drops and yeah. <laughs> we got a premier rap song debuting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and we have Who's Rhyme uh, finishing the show. And then we've got some surprise celebrity guests as well. Yeah. And um, we do. And we do. International celebrity If you guests. didn't come to Up and Joke One, the characters are all continued on, continued on for Up and Joke One. But we've done a recap video mm. uh, that will help you understand what each character's sort of things are about. So, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. So stand up from uh, Corey White and Tarbo. And me. Oh, yeah. And you're doing five. Just five. Yep. I'm only doing five in the first half. Yeah, um, on the back of so me and Buddha will be floggins. hosting me and Brian from uh, Green Reapers. Mm. I really want Whitey to do. I'd love a, to see just Whitey a couple do. of jokes. Just three minutes of stand up would be sick. I think he'd do okay. Yeah, I reckon he'd be all right. Yeah, yeah. he's got the he's got good riffs on the pod. He's yeah yeah yeah, and he's they go unnoticed. But he's very um, he's, he's a dark horse. Yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. very endearing. He's always smiling, so he will get you on board. Like I, I think he's just yeah, Whitey. I know you listen, so and I know I reckon he'd be your style as well. He would be unhinged and uh, non oh. PC, bro. He's he's ruthless. Because yeah. <laughs> the other day when we were filming at my place, and I won't give away what he did, but there's this little. There's something there that's sentimental to the elderly neighbours next door, and it and it's just like there are so many casualties in war. This needs to go. <laughs> it's like fuck, whitey Jesus! But it made the scene funnier. Well, and the so first casualty of war is the truth. So <laughs> what actually happened there, and no one knows. I didn't see it. Um, was it in the? It's in, it's in the Terminator. The Terminator. No, I didn't thing. see it. it just, it just yeah, it's there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wasn't that bad? Yeah, but it's not that bad in the scene. You yeah. don't notice. It doesn't make it that much funnier, but yeah. I would have upset the elderly couple next yeah, door. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, what else has been fucking going on, man? We've had done Adelaide, done Melbourne. Yeah, um, so Melbourne was a real co. So this is a real funny story, right? So, and every comedian's going to be onto this trick next year, you bastards. Get your own fucking ideas. But... <laughs> I ran two shows in Melbourne because I was worried that the festival was going to cancel me. So I had a show that I ran as an insurance policy, mm. which I registered under someone else's name. Okay. And I just called it, you know, something generic uh, as a showcase gig. Um, and it sold out every night without yeah. having to do very much. Power of a name, bro. Right. The and the, the venue's just going, how the fuck are you guys getting all these punters in? And people are rocking up thinking they're getting Dave Hughes and Peter Hellier and they're getting me and fucking Wolfie and, you know, all the other comics that I like. Yeah. And they were great shows. Uh, and people walking away going, fuck, comedy still exists in this town. And mm. it was very refreshing. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a really good laugh. And to see the way the attitude of many of the comics changed towards me because in Adelaide in the first week in Melbourne, you know, many of them, you know, would get up from a table I sat down at or, you know, wouldn't make eye contact with me in really? the Arnold's bar. 
Fuck. Uh, and then by the end, uh, everyone wanted to buy me a drink and, you know, and be my friend. So it was great on a show. personal PR level. Um, and to rip a bunch of money out of the Melbourne Comedy Festival is always sweet. Mm. Um, well, it's good that they let you have your show as well. Yeah, well, Susan Proven, when she went out to defend her reputation and legacy after the death of Barry Humphreys, because this was the best joke of the festival mm. and Barry Humphreys' career, and I said it earlier, I said, Barry's going to hold on until the last weekend of the festival and he's going to die once they announce the award winner. <laughs> and, and fucking sure enough... Oh, Celeste, <laughs> fucking carked it. <laughs> Who won the award? Was it the... Oh, fucking no one you've ever yeah. heard of and nor should you hear of. Um, but yeah, and it's really opened the door. Because this is the thing about death. I mean, I don't know if you guys have experienced death in your personal life, but it gives you an emotional license to say things in death that you didn't in life or didn't feel like you had the courage to. Mm-hmm. And with the, the cancelling of Barry Humphreys from the Melbourne Comedy Festival, a man who pioneered the industry in this country. Mm. Uh, was that when he said some... Ra- was it racist So he made shit? some comments about transgender people. He said that it was um, self-mutilation uh, and that it was a bit of a fashion. And that's a very benign mm. comments. But mm. you've got to remember, this was back in oh, 2016 maybe, mm. and this was the height of... Mm. You know, Fashion. that climate where you couldn't fucking yeah. say anything. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, Dave got done for the pussy wagon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so they, they changed the name of the award and he was effectively ostracised, isolated, alienated. But he wasn't cancelled, mm. according to the festival director, even though he was persona non grata. And she said that uh, we didn't cancel Barry Humphreys, uh, we don't cancel people, and we don't ban people. Mm. So now that Susan's opened the door uh, for me on that, uh, and everyone else, the the knives are out and the bloodletting is uh, in full swing and uh, Miriam Margolis weighed in and anyone who's uh, worth it. What did salt. she say? She's, she's oh, she said it was fuck, the, eh? she, It was disgusting the way the festival treated him and it bloody well was. Mm. Um, and to do it at that stage in his life and Susan Proven sort of threw some of the younger comedians under the bus on ABC um, saying that, you know, it was the the young upcoming comedians who are connected with the two agencies that work hand in glove with the festival, which is Century and Token. Mm. Um, And they're, you know, of a certain political and sexual persuasion and they thought they were being revolutionaries by saying that, you know, uh, we're not going to... Stand for this. We want the the I award. I feel like that wouldn't be too far off the truth, would it? All well, the, it's exactly the what they thought. And yeah. you know, Hannah Gadsby refused to accept the award while it was called the Barry. She wanted the name changed, and this is post the net when you know her star mm. was very bright, uh, and she took a very brave and principled moral stand, but neglected to tell everyone that the agency she's represented by also has a few comedians who've got some questionable allegations made about them yeah. uh, and that there's non-disclosure agreements involved. Yeah. Um, so it's just hypocrisy mm. and, and this political adolescence, really, and they thought that they were being revolutionaries mm. and they were just being politically adolescent brats and it's blown up in their face mm. and they don't even have the courage to come out and defend their actions. They set Sammy J out, you know, the... the, uh, the uh, cliche white male let's go out you go out and defend them Mm. Uh, well you know he didn't make the decision the board made the decision and why aren't they defending themselves so a lot of people want the board to resign uh, and I'm of the view that the festival cannot pay tribute to Barry Humphreys without expressing some contrition Mm. and reflecting upon the way they treated him Mm. and not just him 
the Australian public mm. for the last 10 years because Susan Proven's been in the job 30 years next year. 30 years. And one of the first things she did when she took over the directorship at the Melbourne Comedy Festival was remove the term limits and she made herself director for life. Who else do you know who's done that <laughs> in, in uh, recent times? Um, and what they've done, they've you know, foisted their taste on an entire nation and they've killed the brand of comedy in the public mind. And you only have to look at the online metrics to illustrate that point. You only have to go and see the shows that all the Token and Century Acts putting on. And this is the dirty secret. Century and Token, they say, well, all our acts sold out. But what they do is they give away most of the tickets as complimentary tickets. Yeah. And they go, oh, look, we sold out. We're putting on an extra show. So they're creating a perception mm. that these acts have broad popular appeal. But they don't. It's all smoke and mirrors. And yeah. then when they leave the, the safety of the bubble uh, of Melbourne and Sydney, and you see what happens when they go out into the real world and mm. real Australia, they bomb. Uh, yeah. As someone whose century is putting on this Perth Comedy Fest, <laughs> I'll say, <laughs> no tickets have been given away. I'm selling all of my tickets. Yeah, but <laughs> you're not famous enough for them <laughs> to have to fucking give away your tickets, Delves. And you know what? As soon as you start selling tickets, they'll come to you. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Like they hold the keys to a broken machine, and I want Susan and her two IC Gideon to stay uh, at the helm for as long as possible. Because one of the funniest things I did in Melbourne. So the night after I got punched, I've gone into the festival club, which is, you know, the the, the comedy festival's official artist bar, and it's just this sea of NPCs and they thems and yeah. bloody completely perfunctory personalities that are entirely shaped by algorithms. Yeah. And uh, I saw the festival uh, assistant festival director down there and he's looking over it like he's fiefed him, like he was in the Butterbing or something, you know. Mm. And uh, I went up and, you know, said g'day, introduced myself and shook his hand. And as soon as he clicked who I was, I could just see he, w- he was trembling, right? Yeah. And he's like, how has Melbourne been for you? I was like, really good, mate. Selling heaps of tickets. Said, How's the metrics been for you guys? goes, oh, it's a bit early for that sort of data. I said, oh, I can tell you anecdotally, you're hemorrhaging. <laughs> and the public have abandoned you in droves. And the only metric you go on is how many bar sales you do at the Max Watts Festival Club. Mm. Uh, and I said, I think it's a product of the vapid cultural engineering you guys have been engaged in for over 10 years. And he just looked at me and goes, I, I don't know what you mean. And if you use a multi-syllable word in Melbourne <laughs> that's not intersectionality, <laughs> they just I'm look at you like a dog club. that's been shown a car trick. And... Um, I said to him, look, I didn't expect that you'd know what I mean. And I shook his hand and I walked off. But it's quite intimidating when a little short bloke with a black eye comes up and tells <laughs> you you shoot at your with job. With a black eye or black guy? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, I roll the, solo. Just the diversity. No, yeah. no. I, uh, well, it's good that they let you have your show on the plus side. Well, you know, they're all That's about the plus in of the inclusivity, plus. aren't they? Yeah. You know, so what's beautiful is we're getting to weaponize their own ideology against them. Mm. Uh, and they've tied themselves in all sorts of knots and they cannot get out of it and you know like the old saying give a liar enough rope mm. well we've given the culturally enough rope and you know they're in a corner mm. uh and i don't see a way out for them uh it becomes more embarrassing the longer the current board sits and on deal. that note this board needs to unsit you need, need to bounce yeah yep. enjoy the rest Sorry see you see you delbs thanks bro good delby Cheers, old son. Delby's uh, bouncing off because we filmed a bit longer than we thought this morning for Up and Joke. Uh,
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, cool. Chuck the chicken in, <laughs> in the bin. The bin chicken. Um, what? So I, I see this, what you're talking about playing out, not just in comedy, like everywhere. So you see Tucker Carlson's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not a perfect example of where we should be direct, but he's not afraid to call out his anti-war, you know, um, anti-globalist. And he'll call that out and it's not... So, it's not long ago that the left were the ones on that side. Remember when they were anti-war yeah. and suspicious of uh, international pharmaceutical companies and the media and the government, and now they are just these bootlicking supplicants who love every institution they used to detest. And yeah. it's the right is the counterculture now. Yeah, and the right are, I guess, the champions of comedy, and that terrifies me because I remember how the right <laughs> behaved when yeah. they didn't like what comedians said. Yeah, and yeah, that's the that is the concern because um, yeah, when when you've got like a left and a right and two sides opposing each other, instead of trying to find a happy ground or just trying to find truth, um, that's where the, the that's where I think breakdowns in communication happen, and then well, and that's where I think comedy should reside. The highest compliments I've ever had in my life in stand up is um and this happened in Melbourne. Someone said, "I don't know if you're left or right, gay or straight, victim or perpetrator," mm. and. Comedy shouldn't belong to a sphere of ideology. It should sit in the middle as a check and balance on bullshit and hypocrisy mm. because both sides do it. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, comedy is precious and it's the last thing I know that's real in yeah. the era of deep fakes and sophisticated propaganda and a comedy club uh, is the most pure form of democracy because you can't control how you vote. Yeah. Laughter is an involuntary response and that's why sometimes, yeah. you know, younger women have a problem with me is because they're angered and amused at the same time. Yeah. And the coexistence of those emotions kind of, ah! Yeah, they're angry that they're finding what that you're I, saying I funny. won. Yeah. You laughed, I won. Yeah. But the the uprising of, or the, the rise in popularity of Tucker Carlson mirrors the rise in popularity of Donald Trump and someone who's willing to call out certain things. Um, and... Yeah, again, sometimes he'll lean in too much, just like Trump, mm-hmm. and you'll be like, yeah, you're going a bit too far. I don't uh, love everything he says. I don't disagree with everything he says, but he d- he's af- not afraid to pull some punches and 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 pull and call out some of the big dogs. And you can see, like, he was the number one show on television, mm-hmm. um, and Fox has fired him, I think, because of the Dominion voting thing is what I'm hearing, is the, the uh, they've actually... Foxes had to pay a big fucking fine for the allegations, but in 2016, weren't every, it wasn't every Democrat saying that the the voting, the electric voting, were faulty anyway? Like, look, I mean, that country is a basket case, particularly its media sector, <laughs> and Fox News is no stranger to all these sorts. I mean, what was the last uh, presenter that they had to let go of with a very big golden handshake because of the Roger Isle stuff? Oh. I mean. Fox News is a basket case. And I always viewed Tucker Carlson as this sort of fake populist who harnessed the legitimate outrage and concerns of the populace Mm -hmm. and channeled them in a way or a direction that suited the elites. 
Mm. Uh, maybe I was wrong about Tucker. Well, what I did like about him, and I've seen recently on a podcast, is him realising he was wrong back like when he championed the war in, I think, Afghanistan or Iraq. Um, he championed that idea and then realised everything I've been reporting is, is not it's not been proven true. In fact, it's the opposite, and we're there for... And when was the last time you heard anyone from the mainstream press admit that they were wrong yeah. and have that sort of reflection and, um, and depth I think of character? Yeah, and that's why I do like... And again, every, every voice that I listen to on social media, I'm always wary of the fact that they do have their own underlying biases. I have my own underlying biases, but I do like the way <laughs> Russell Brand approaches his thoughts, um, whereas he will point out... In he'll he'll point out his opinion, but then he'll also say, "But this is this is um, this is the message we're getting. Uh, this is the, actually the reality of the situation." Now you can draw your own con- conclusions, but he'll just point out the lies, and I like that. He won't mm. he won't force his opinion on you. He will just say, "This is the reality of the situation. Let's draw our own conclusions." Mm. And that's not uh, that's not what the media does. They are supposed to be reporting on the news in an unbiased manner and giving us the information we need to make our own decisions, but they're not doing that. They're telling us what it is, and that is not reporting the news. Manufacturing consent and the engineering of the public mind, and you know, I think we've talked about this on the pod before, about um, manufacturing consent and how all that started at the beginning of the First World War when the Americans desperately wanted to become involved in the European war, but the public was isolationist, didn't want a bar of European wars. Yeah. But the American financial class was heavily indebted to the Germans and the British. Mm. So they were itching to get in because they thought, we might fucking lose out because we've lent so much money. Yeah. And they turned a pacifist public into warmongers in six months. Yeah. Uh, that so was through Pearl Harbor, wasn't it? No, no, that was... Uh, Walter Lippmann and Edward Bernays, who was Sigmund Freud's nephew. Okay. And if you want to watch this, uh, the documentary about that, it's called The Century of the Self, done by Adam Curtis on the BBC. And I highly recommend everyone watches all of the Adam Curtis films. Yeah. Uh, they're some of the greatest contributions to journalism in my lifetime, I think. Yeah, wow. Cause, uh, and that's the thing. We just had re- Anzac Day gone recently. And I, <coughs> it's, for me, it's become a day of... Uh, it makes me really sad, like really sad. Um, I I have that feeling of empathy and 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 thoughts, and I I I try and give my reflection on the days and thanks for the people who have served and lost their lives and and whatnot. But more so that they've they've had to do it to serve the fucking the the financial elite and their the corporate empire. interest and. Yeah. We can pretend that they were trying to stop Hitler and we can try and put that in our head that that's the reason they had to go to war, but it, it wasn't because that was happening for a few years before mm-hmm. that and um, and it wasn't until they were personally affected financially that they really wanted to get involved. And that really just, I get that on that day, I still feel and I still like give memory or thoughts to uh, the people who have fallen, but... It's a it's a day of like yeah, sadness look, for me. And Anzac Day annoys me because the slogan is "Lest we forget," but I think more aptly it should be "Lest we remember." Because most of the diggers who took part in the First World War were disgusted at the mendacity and waste they'd been conned into participating in mm. uh, for king and country, and they saw their mates die in the most horrific way. Uh, and many of them, when they came back, were radicalised. They joined the trade unions. Mm. Um, and everyone forgets this in, in our country's history. And then you've got this 
new generation of uh, kids who are two generations removed from from the Great War, mm. and they march with the medals that their ancestors uh, were given for their service, and they couldn't tell you where they were when they got it. They couldn't point it out on a map, and they're not even sure if they're honouring their wishes. Mm. I mean, you don't know how they felt about the war. Many of them never spoke about it because mm. they were so disgusted and traumatised yeah, by God. what they saw. And I don't like the way Anzac Day has become this sort of marketing campaign for nationalism. Mm. And Billy Hughes... Uh, famously said something that um, it was a unifying moment for six disparate colonies that mm. hadn't had a unifying moment and the nationhood would be sealed in blood. Yeah. And it was a way of binding together six colonies into a nation. Um, so, yeah, Anzac Day uh, does uh, grind my gears a little bit, but <coughs> having said that, I was... Uh, a piss-fit West Coast Eagles fan <laughs> with a black eye in Collingwood country on Anzac Day, fucking <laughs> giving all sorts of heckles. I had a heckle in Melbourne. Uh, I said I was a West Coast Eagles fan. This bloke goes, oh, yeah, uh, how's Ben Cousins? <laughs> and I said, he's good, he's clean. And this bloke was a Collingwood supporter. I said, how's Joffa? <laughs> fucking hell, man. That's, that's, uh, that, wasn't that, that was pretty predictable, I feel like. You just look at him and you could see a bit of fucking... <laughs> There's something about that guy. I'm not going to uh, comment on Joffa's conduct. <laughs> far bigger fish to fry in my world. Oh, 100%. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 the day itself has, has lost. And like for my granddad, I remember my granddad talking um, to us about things like war. And um, he was part of the – not Norm- not the D-Day. <coughs> he was the, dis- the distraction out the coast, right. so sent in to distract. The decoys. Yeah, the decoy, and um, they got fucked up as well, and he was same sort of situation where he felt like um, he had been, um, yeah, used, um, and, yeah, he, he was he was not a very uh, high speaker of, of, I guess, countries sending people to war to die for them, uh, for their corporate interests. But um, I didn't. he didn't really like talking about it because of what you just sent said before it was difficult to talk about and you know the things that those blokes suffered there wasn't the medical terminology to the to describe those syndromes is mm. what they were going through yeah but I, c- I couldn't imagine especially now with the with the kids we have now at 17 18 being shipped off to go to war could you imagine that like it's funny you say that i got talking to a bloke in melbourne who just finished his uh three-month infantry course at kapuka that the army offers yeah it's the uh, intro to infantry uh, three months, you get paid. And he said at the end of the second month, the instructor tried to sell him on a fucking Kentucky tour to Ukraine. <laughs> you go and be a comms assistant or something. You're right. This what? is what's happening in the Defence Forces. Yeah, and you right. see today that the Australian Defence Force is issuing uh, $50,000 retention bonuses mm. for people to stay because they can't retain the staff because the morale in the Defence Force is so bloody low mm. uh, that they're having to offer fifty grand. And I know for a fact that some of these blokes are leaving the army to go and make 60 grand a month training the special forces in the Gulf states. Fuck. So what's fucking 50 grand going to do for a retention bonus? I got to yeah. make 60 grand in a month fucking training Qatari special forces. Yeah. I'll work half the year and have the next two years <laughs> off. Yeah. Earned it overseas tax free. Yeah. Like, who's flying? I mean, fuck. <laughs> yeah, fuck. And even that situation over in Ukraine, you could see that the pushback on that. Now people are wise to it; they're seeing it. Like and we've just spoken about this, the cultural change. Yeah, people can see the pendulum it's, shifting it's rapidly. Not, yeah, it's very obvious what's happening, and 
But you know what concerns me is that the pendulum shift and an economic crisis mm. coincide and that lays the groundwork for a vicious backlash and a very um, quick one. Did I read that, that that's usually the premise for World War One and World War Two? That happened just before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all just a little <laughs> bit of history repeating. It does seem a bit like that. Um, yeah, well, what a Twain say, history doesn't repeat, but it does tend to rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck. Um, I guess, uh, what are you up to date with what's going on in that situation? Because they're just, um, I, I do see that they're trying to, they're, they're still funneling money over there um, and it's, there's no accountability for and they're starting to, in the Senate hearings, they're starting to ask where is the money going and there's no, there still doesn't seem to be any... Um, Look, it's going to become uh, very toxic as a policy issue to say, we're going to send more public money to Ukraine when your own backyard is in a bin fire. I mean, United States, a case in point. Mm. Uh, Australia, I met a bloke in uh, Melbourne who said spent the last six months organising logistics to send the Australian Bushmaster vehicles <laughs> into uh, into the Ukraine and just getting vaporised. Yeah. I mean, it's just throwing money away. And, yeah, look, uh, well, what is it good for? Absolutely arms manufacturers and <laughs> iron ore miners. And yeah, uh, I don't know where it's going to end, but I hope it's not in a further escalation. And that's the thing. When the... When you've got weapons manufacturers um, help influencing policy, um, whether we go to war or not, you've got um, you know big pharmaceutical companies influencing policy, whether we in <laughs> implement mandates uh, on COVID jabs and mm. stuff. When you've got such conflicts of interests um, in every facet of our lives, there's got to be a point where, it, like even the people who are like you said, you put, called them people with blinkers on surely they're going to start to see mm. the conflicts of interest surely they're going to see what's uh, like the stuff with the wuhan lab and the investigations mm. that's going on now it's it's very but, i mean conflicts of interest a conflict of interest seems to have evaporated from relevance mm. in in politics especially in australia i mean once upon a time a conflict of interest was a serious thing as a lawyer a conflict of interest is a serious thing mm. um but they don't seem to really matter anymore uh, and and it astounds me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fucking. It's getting to that point where I've almost stopped caring and stopped trying to point it all out. You can see it. It's one of those things where you when yeah. it's, when it's happening, you just watch it, and there's no point. You just go, "What the fuck?" Because it's it's like uh, there's nothing. Me making that observation does nothing. And I what I do is I tweet it, so it's dated. <laughs> I d- and yeah, but all, and and I found this with the vaccine stuff too. I, mean, I think it's more powerful and persuasive. Um, not to be I told you so. Yeah. Um, and to just carry yourself with that quiet confidence that, yes, okay, we were right. We went through a lot of shit, mm. uh, but we forgive. Yeah. Don't forget, but, you know, we're not going to be arrogant pricks about it. Mm. Uh, and my joke about, you know, unvaccinated sperm being the next Bitcoin, you know, mm. I'm not going to rub it in anyone's face if it yeah. is. Um, so it, it's been really v- uh, gratifying and... Um, just this sense of emphatic vindication, and it is—it's one of those things. And I haven't talked about this on the pod before, but I'll say it now. So, um, my mum's stuff over in Thailand was pretty fucked. Obviously, for any listeners that knew what happened, 
a couple of weeks ago she had another setback. It got really bad, really dicey. It was pretty fucking... It, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, looks to be, fingers crossed, this time we're on the mend. We're all good. But this whole thing has... Unfortunately, I didn't need another reason to fucking hate the jab. I didn't need another reason to hate the mandates and the fucking indoctrination that people were being told they won't be able to travel, they won't be able to do this if they don't get it. So my mum, the only reason why mum and dad got vaccinated was so they could move to Thailand Mm. because they thought they weren't going to be able to fly over there. Unfortunately, a month after um, they got there, it was all all of that was removed. Um, And my mum's... Issue was is a vaccine. Um, okay, we can't say a hundred percent because no one ever says a hundred percent. But it's mm. looking. It's it's been suggested pretty highly likely that um, her blood clots and thrombosis were caused by the vaccination, which then caused um, some pretty severe issues over a long period of time. So it started the in a in her gut. Um, I, won't, I won't go too much into my mum's own details, but basically, uh, without going into it too much, it was a long process. The blood clots caused some issues, and um, and yeah, she she got pretty fucked up from it. Nearly died. Still isn't out of the, the water. And did uh, your mum have the AstraZeneca? AstraZeneca, which has quietly been removed from the Therapeutic Goods Administration, by the way. Yeah, with no media attention. I mean, the uh, the, the, the fact that that's been removed mm. without so much as a fucking peep yeah. is a travesty. And everyone remembers how people carried on when. You dare to say that there's adverse reactions. Oh. That this is not safe. We are not being told the truth. And then to hear stories like your mum, and thank goodness your mum yeah. looks like she's out of the woods yeah. there. But, I mean, how many people weren't as lucky as your mum and her stories have been not told and are ignored? Mm. Well, so, again, like I said, mum's not out of the woods yet. But, yeah, she's gotten through and hopefully that's the end of the dramas. But you're right, there's so many people and they wouldn't have been reported because it's very hard to get a doctor to say, yes, that was a vaccine um, uh, side effect. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 it's just sad. It saddens me. It's, I do feel vindicated in my decision. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same thing, man, because I live in fear for people that I love. But do you know what I found everywhere I went from Adelaide and Melbourne was uh, there's this deep sense of betrayal mm. in the community. They feel like they were betrayed by the government, they were betrayed by the media, they were betrayed by the police, and they were betrayed by the arts community because the arts are supposed to be the last check and balance on on bullshit and Mm. hypocrisy and a bulwark against this sort of nonsense. And the establishment comedians just rolled over and they Mm. traded their integrity for their industry affiliation, as did the entire journalistic class. Yeah. And there's this widespread sense of betrayal in the community. And I understand the stab-in-the-back politics that gave rise to Hitler's Germany. It, we were betrayed. They fucked us over. Uh, that, and it scares me, man. It really does. Yeah, because you don't know which way it goes. We talked about the right and their reactions. Oh, and this is the thing we're talking about, you know, what's happened with the lefties. And, you know, uh, I'm a firm believer that people are going right out of spite. Mm. And I hear it from across the socio-economic spectrum and uh, part of me wonders whether it's a deliberate tactic, you know, to mm. destroy uh, progressivism and then, you know, hey, let's go full-fledged with uh, <laughs> the right and we're storming the capital. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. And you know what's funny in Melbourne? I have an uncle who um, 
is a serious professional in what he does. We've disagreed for many a moon on just about everything politically and we were sitting there having a whiskey in Melbourne and he goes, you know what's so scary to me, Corey, is that you and I agree on most things right now. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. We're talking about, you know, this uh, new narrative about the war drums that are beating uh, with China mm-hmm. and the US. We've got to prepare for war and we've got to spend all this money we don't have on fucking submarines that are absolute raw. Oh, my God. And he said to Who's me... Who's the Greens guy from WA who's been calling that out pretty heavily? Fuck, he's... um. He's got a disability. Ah, oh, Jordan Steele, John. Yes, fuck, good man. on him. Yeah, he's still. Like, um, mm. Him and Paul Keating are about the only ones. Mm. Um, but he said to me, the biggest, in his eyes, the biggest threat to the safety of Australia and the sovereignty of Australia was not the Chinese, mm. but the supranational uh, institutions like the World Economic Forum and the yep. globalists and subordinating the ability of the Australian governments to make laws for the mm. benefit of the people because they've signed away to treaties. Mm. These international bodies that are accountable to no one. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought that was really fascinating. It reminded me of that scene in Network where we no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies. Mm. The world is a, a college of corporations. Mm. And these are, I think it's the, <coughs> it's the such a, it's a, when these sorts of messages are given to us and these ideologies are put to us, they're they're forced down your throat, and that is the biggest issue. We go back and going back to jab, going back to any, these are the be- if they had to come across with like the message, these are the best options we feel that we can try and do. We can't sit here and do nothing. This is what we feel is the best option. Try it if you want. Use it if you think it's going to work for you. Do your due diligence and double check because there are side effects. Blah blah blah. But that wasn't the messaging we got with the jab, for example. The j- it was like, no, it's safe. You're a conspiracy theorist if you think that you need to be cautious. And now I see tr- Justin Trudeau the other day saying, you know, there were people were rightfully cautious. And I uh, saw that video. And like, and there's been so many people doing the stitch ups. And you, I know you said you were cautious of yeah. deep fakes, but um, these th- these things are like for you to say one thing eighteen months ago and then directly um, can contradict what you've been saying for the last two, two and a half years on camera, when we have it on camera, the exact opposite mm. of what you've been saying, basically flat out denying what you said. And it's it, I don't, and no one says anything about it. No one, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and that footage of Trudeau I found astounding. I mean, he couldn't have done a bigger 180. Mm. Um, it hasn't happened in Australia. Daniel Andrews and and Mark McGowan haven't said anything similar to what uh, Justin Trudeau has, but I, I I'm not convinced that that video was real. I, I mean, I'm skeptical of its authenticity. But um, oh, you think him suggesting that um, there were like there were reasons for being, people being cautious? Yes, that was fake. Yeah, right. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's fake. Uh, because so the yeah. old ones were real. The old one. Well, we all saw it in yeah. real time, and the way the the aggressive rhetoric around uh, people who weren't vaccinated, the pandemic of the end, vaccinated. Mm. If you want to travel, you've got to be. You know, you're going to be excluded from society from an indeterminate period of time. And it was really interesting what Sammy J said in his uh, defence of the Melbourne Comedy Festival and the Barry Award. He was talking about minorities, and unless you've experienced it, you don't know what it's like. And I thought, well, that's just beautiful, Sammy, because that's exactly <laughs> how I felt yeah. when I heard society turn on me and you mm. and the other people we hold dear who for so long were valued in 
um, contributing members of society and then all of a sudden we were able to be just discarded, like we were going to kill everyone's nana. Mm. Uh, and then this retreat and controlled demolition of the narrative and, it, and it's a stage manager's exit. Mm. Exit through the grift shop, as Banksy would say. It, do, it does feel almost... Um, it For me, it was almost... It was just... It was almost so obvious what was happening that we that we should, prov- you know, entertain some form of caution. <laughs> and The precautionary principle that's yeah. been in operation as time, since time immemorial? Yeah, exactly. Yes. It, it, it just seems so obvious. And um, it almost seemed... It was that obvious that it was so orchestrated. That's why a conspiracy theories come into play when you're completely censored. At what point have we ever seen... It might have been you who said this. Have we ever seen... Uh, censorship work f- uh, for the good guys. Like, yeah. it's never been... At no time in history have the people who've been censoring information been good people. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, I'd, it's... Yeah, the book burnings and... and the, Yeah, and then the changing of fucking... Um, what we're seeing as, like, the the words that we can have in books. And well, what about this shit with the fucking Roald Dahl novels while I was away and trying to uh, sanitise and remove the words like fat and ugly from some of the... Roald Dahl novels. I mean, I loved those books growing up as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, James and the Giant Peach. I mean, what's the next one going to be? James and the Giant Simp. Yeah. I mean, mm. we're <laughs> <laughs> we are breeding resilience out of children and the next generation. We're making these feeble, infantile weaklings mm. who cannot deal with any level of emotional discomfort. Uh, and, you know, we are making a society of people who are easily broken. And if you were a conspiracy theorist, fuck, that's what I'd be doing. You were, if you conspiratorially minded, like I am, you would say that is orchestrated. Because who the fuck are they going to? Who's who's going to defend the rights of the people if ninety percent of the people are fucking, you know? But this is weak minded. They go in and start sanitizing the past. And Immortal Techniques got this great line about the mind of a child is where the revolution begins. Mm. Uh, I'm fucking terrified for, you know, I used to knock the baby boomers very Mm. hard, but at least the baby boomers are waking up and they're interested in things, you know, they go to writers festivals and they come out to comedy, but the baby zoomers (laughs) terrify me. And what comes after them? Because we've got children having children Mm. and this is going to perpetuate the cycle of, uh, infantilism and, and people who just got an utter lack of resilience and a body of knowledge that has anorexia really mm. uh, which is one of the lines I uh, quite often repeat but uh, it's terrifying and we're watching all these things that Huxley and Orwell foretold and warned us about yeah play out in real time and we're sitting here just going fuck the Eagles are getting spanked <laughs> <laughs> the thing that really uh, made me uh, feel quite odd is realising... So be, being the guy who was into a few conspiracies going like for the last 10, 15 years, I loved the UFO stuff. I loved all of the... Anything that was government conspiracy like the CIA killing Kennedy, I loved. I was interested in it. Um, and then the the idea that the, the new world order was going to take over and they were going to create this fucking virus and, and they're going to use it to implement forced vaccinations which is going to have a microchip or whatever in it. That was the, the conspiracy for fucking 10, 15 years. And then mm. it, unpl- it, it played out exactly as it happened. So part of me was just like, that's so ridiculous. But it was happening in front of me and I was like, I can't, 
I can't ignore this this storyline that I've been told for the last 15 years and now it's fucking yeah. happening. I was only having this conversation yesterday with my best friend's parents and, you know, they're, I guess, um, conservative-minded but socially progressive. Yeah. And, you know, the conversation that they were having, you know, talking about, you know, they're afraid of the rise of digital currencies and this mm. locking us into an internet of things and, and censorship and deep fakes. I mean... This is the shit Alex Jones was talking about 15 years ago. It's crazy. And now it's coming out of the mouths of, I guess, your everyday quiet Australians who were paying attention to what's going on. Mm. Um, And it was very telling, you know, the Alex Jones stuff, um, the way he was persecuted over the Sandy Hook thing for Mm. the the misinformation. But no one had a crack at him over his (laughs) 9-11 theories, did they? No. I wonder why that would (laughs) be. Did you hear about the 9-11 Reading Club? No. 77 stories in eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> um, the thing with uh, when it comes to stuff like Alex Jones, and I see um, like Rogan talks about it as well, like at nauseum. Like these are the things he would bring up. He would talk about uh, Bohemian Grove, and then everyone would think he's crazy until he went there and fucking filmed it. Mm. We only know about it because of, like, yes, some of the things he says are fucking batshit crazy, but there's about 60 to 70% of the shit that it comes about. Do you know what's so funny to me, though, Branchy? The idea that the world is run by a satanic pedophile cult is more plausible to me now than the idea that you have rational leaders who are <laughs> acting in the public interest. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, well, when you've got Biden and Trump as the two leading. Uh, candidates for a, a presidential role. One's a fucking former reality TV star and the other one can't even fucking speak or walk, like, goes to shake hands with invisible people that aren't there. Like, what the fuck is happening when that is your two best options and Trump is the better of those options? That's the fucking scariest fucking thing. Well, the South Park episode rolls on and it's two political parties and one political class. But speaking of one political class... When I was in Melbourne, all the, the rage was Daniel Andrews flying to China on his secretive trip and not telling anyone what was being discussed, not uh. taking any journalists with him. Then I get home and Mark McGowan's gone to China oh. and uh, proposed that national cabinets sit in Beijing. Yes, I've seen this. Uh, mate, I thought we were promoting the voice to Parliament, not the voice to Beijing, Marky <laughs> Mark. This fucking Make-A-Wish Mussolini with his shit-eating grin, the member for Beijing. Who do you really represent, Mark? We know it's not fucking Western Australians. Mm. It's largely Andrew Forrest, Rio Tinto, Gina Reinhart and the Iron Ore players. Uh, and who are they swearing fealty to? Their biggest buyers. Mm. Chinese. Great strategy. Mate. And th- again, that's another one that was being said for the last fucking couple of years. You know, he's just fucking, he's in the pockets of the Chinese and now he's doing stuff like that. It's playing out in front of you. You're like, I, look, well, I think he's probably compromised by the Chinese. What you have to remember, the Chinese are very clever and they've played a very good long game and long they know game. our weaknesses mm-hmm. about ourselves and about our political system better than we do. Mm. And they have uh, taken full advantage. And I'm sure there are Australian politicians and bureaucrats who have uh, are being compromised? Chinese got compromised on them. Well, I think it wasn't there leaks um, from that, um, and we can speak about leaks in a second. But um, I th- I'm certain there was leaks of the <laughs> CCP 
infiltration and who they had in places of power. And it wasn't just like in government. They just had it in in high-end, um, in sorry, very powerful companies, like fucking even toy companies. Like they just had them placed as CEOs or, you know, people of influence that, so they could implement their own strategies very slowly over a very long period of time. Yes. Well, and, you know, Clive Hamilton was the first person to um, – speak about this in Australia and he wrote a book called Silent Invasion Mm. but part of the Chinese strategy was cultivating the barbarians and this goes all the way back to Sun Tzu and the barbarians are the billionaires (laughs) because they have access to the political class and you've only got to see the way they get things done Mm. uh, and the backhanders and you know the backroom deals and it's about some networks being able to break into the network and compromise it Uh, um, and speaking of leaks, like obviously there's been a few fucking leaks of late. But what I'm I'm hating at the moment is seeing this um, <coughs> trend of, and this happened, you know, this oh, it probably happened before that, but I really started noticing it. The first time I noticed it was when Hillary um, they had leaked the DNC emails, and instead of sl- like going for Hillary about the content of those emails, they went for the leaker. And they're doing that every single time. Um, the, I mean, like I don't understand why wouldn't you attack the content of, of the leak itself instead of the person who did the the leaking? Like uh, Assange is the perfect example. Well, like, it's uh, a classic case uh, case of leaks for thee, but not me. And when you're in politics, leaks are a weapon. You drip feed information to certain journalists that you want to get out. Mm-hmm. And you know, Kevin Rudd had Laurie Oaks and. There are acceptable leaks, which the political establishment wants, and Mm -hmm. that's useful information for them to leak out. Uh, But then there's the embarrassing stuff. And the stuff that embarrasses the political establishment, they don't go after the content of what was said. Mm. Uh, They go after the person who leaked it. And you've only got to look at uh, the bloke I acted for who blew the whistle on FMG, what happened to him. Uh, Witness K, who blew the whistle on the East Timor spying allegations with Woodside. Uh, Julian Assange... Um, what's the other bloke in fucking South Australia? Richard, someone who blew Richard Boyle, who blew the whistle on the ATO and the way they were going after poor people who you know, wow, were, you know, going to commit suicide because they had the ATO chasing them down very aggressively and needlessly. Yeah. Um, we teach our kids to tell the truth. Well, you do it at your own risk mm. because if you teach your kids to tell the truth, one day they're going to be doing ninety years in prison. Because their parents instilled in them the value that it's important to tell the truth, and we've mm. just we've lost sight of two things chiefly in in our culture, and it's truth and beauty. Mm. You know, we have to go out and call a two hundred and fifty kilo rainbow jelly bean stunning and brave, mm. uh, and we have to say, oh, that you know these lies that are peddled are the truth, and uh, yeah, it breaks my heart, man. It's getting a little depressing, but yeah. Again, once you, it's, these are sort of things that once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. So you just see it playing out. You don't have to. I I feel like I I want to point it out to people, but I I think the best way is for them to see it themselves. And that's what being a good teacher is. A good teacher doesn't tell you the answer. Mm. A good teacher lets you figure it out for yourself because that's how you develop thinking skills. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I remember the most about my time at uni, the lecturer I respected the most, Dr Ian Cook, uh, he taught this unit called Power of the Media and the Public Interest. Mm. And he said to me, he, he was at the end of his career, he said, universities are going through a change and they are no longer teaching people how to think, but what to think. Mm. 
And this is what's happened to our institutions, particularly the universities, particularly the arts, is that they've been captured by these ideologues. And, you know, the social science... Uh, uh, Peter Boghossian, who I did that event with in Melbourne, um, he was the one of the lead authors on the Grievance Affairs study, whereby they trolled all these academic journals in the sociology group, like the Gender Studies Journal, mm. uh, and did shit like... Took a excerpt from Mein Kampf, did a word search for the word Jew, replaced it with white male, submitted it to an academic journal, <laughs> was peer-reviewed and got an award and was described as an invaluable contribution to the literature. Fuck. And our university has been pumping out these kids with these fucking insane ideas that are no longer tethered to any reality mm. and if you let this run right in the exact sciences i mean imagine if you had engineers going out there and building bridges out of balsa wood mm. well that's what's happening on a societal level we've built bridges out of balsa wood and you know intersectionality and all this you know neo-progressive ideology is coming apart at the seams and it's beautiful to watch it I mean, is yeah, a big part of all I keep saying this to Delby uh, that it feels like we're building to something. It feels like we're building to something. And every year I keep saying that. I feel like eventually everyone's going to go, aha. But it never happens. And I don't know whether that's just my hope that we're finally seeing, we're finally learning, we're finally being told that 90% of what we've been told is a fucking lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm I'm a, an offender myself. Like, I'll know something's... I'm, I'm, I'm le- I'm leaning into something that's a lie, or but it's it's convenient, or yeah, I I, th- I think we've fallen into the trap of life. Um, it's just too it's too inconvenient to go against the grain, and you might as well just fucking jump on board. And that's yeah. where I think a lot of people believe what you're saying. They're like, yeah, I get it, but I don't care. Well, and I've said this a number of times before, but uh, people retreat to the comfort of the lie because it absolves you of any responsibility. You don't have to do anything if you live in the comfort of a lie and there's no death so sad as the death of an illusion and most people in this country and the UK and New Zealand and America for that matter cannot comprehend the idea that the government lies to them or the media lies to them mm. or they're not acting in their best interest. Mm. Uh, but, but what what really st- strikes me as odd is the fact that most, most people would be the first to say, yeah, of course the media's not telling the truth. Of course the media lies. Yeah. Yet as soon as you point out one of the lies that has um, they've lent into and, and maybe potentially Oh, yeah, but foolish. at the time it was the right decision to make. Yeah. And Susan Proven had the same defence when she was defending the uh, Barry Humphreys decision. So at the time mm. it was the right decision. Mm. So, no, it fucking wasn't. It wasn't right then and it's not right now. Yeah. And I, I can't rem- – I think – so Disney is hopefully learning from their mistakes, obviously with the Amber Heard – sort of stuff they've fucked off um johnny depp off a few projects he's not on the next pirates of the caribbean i don't think that's going to go very well and um and he also wasn't in the the last um what was the other one the harry potter uh he's in the wasn't in that and he was a key character in that and they had to replace him as an actor and i'm not i'm pretty sure that bombed as well i don't think that was disney that whoever that did that or might have been um <coughs> but it looks like hopefully they've had to, they've had to they got rid of their ceo who was a fucking Woke monster. Um, they've replaced him with Iger, I think it is, Bob Iger, uh, who's who's the opposite, or maybe the other way around, can't remember. Um, and uh, the the key character that they have as a bad guy at the moment, fuck, I can't remember his name for um, for the life of me. He's just been as- accused of assault. Uh, Jonathan Majors. 
has just been accused of assault of his of his girlfriend at the time. Uh, everyone's dropped him, but Disney this time has gone, we're not making the same mistake. We're going to wait until this court... The presumption of innocence. Fuck, what a thing yeah, yeah, that yeah. is. Because how often has a lie got halfway around the world before the truth has time to put its pants on? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and yeah, you're seeing... Uh, I think people are starting to be a little bit more... Oh, I'm not out of focus. There we go. I think people are starting to get it a bit more... Uh, they're on that path now. They're, they're starting to wait. They're like, I'm not going to cast any assertions anymore yeah, because... I'll wait to pass judgment until I'm fully apprised of all the facts. And what a radical fucker thing <laughs> that is. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, so let's uh, let's dive into your Melbourne trip because uh, I'm very interested as to what happened. Yeah, um, so there's a, a parable from ancient Greece, a fellow by the name of Aristophanes, mm-hmm. which kind of uh, sets all this up. Aristophanes is regarded as the father of comedy. Mm-hmm. And at the equivalent of the 403 BC Athenian Fringe Festival, uh, poor Aristophanes got in trouble because he humiliated and embarrassed some corrupt Athenian elites. Okay. And they dragged his name through the mud in the courts and the media of the time. And uh, Aristophanes had to wait two years for his redemption. Mm. Uh, and so that's kind of been the story that's guiding guided my life uh, for the last two years and there was a lot of people who wanted to see me fail in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. There was a few people in Adelaide who said to me that you can't say those things in Melbourne and that you won't pull it off uh, and I did. Um, so yeah, it was a stunning success. Um, I'm very pleased with it uh, but you know, it's come a long way but we're just getting started. There is a radical cultural shift taking place in this country and uh I've been in the trenches for a couple of years and been ahead of it. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the funniest st- stories... I mean, I did make a bit of a nuisance of myself over there, I'll be honest. <laughs> I did see some uh, of your stories. They look funny. That one night, and I won't name this comedian, I've walked into you know the real comedian's bar, which is called The Exit. All the losers go to the festival club mm-hmm. uh, and all the, the people who are worth their salt go to this pub called The Exit. Classic old workman's pub. Yep. Uh, and anyway... Clock this famous person, comedian, won't say his name and won't say the reason why I began to throw things at him. It was <laughs> Easter weekend <laughs> and all these Easter eggs have been given away, right? And I walked in and I'd had a skin full. Yeah. And uh, Ronnie Neville was with me. He's like, fuck, you're loaded. And uh, I was. And anyway, I grabbed these Easter eggs and I thought it'd be funny to throw Easter eggs across the bar at this person. And you got to remember, this is chockers, right? Yeah. And you play cricket, you played footy, golf. Yep. You know, like, soon as it leaves the boot. You know. You know. You like, know. this is on target. Yep. And anyway, yep. first one, about eight people deep across the bar just thrown it and just as soon as it left the hand I was like this is on track <laughs> and I was just turning away just before it hit him each time and I got him three times in a row <laughs> from different parts of the bar and he was going what the fuck is this what's happening and uh, anyway I got greedy and I went for a fourth one right Yeah. and uh, anyway I've thrown it as soon as it left the hand. And I just got caught shot watching and admiring my work. <laughs> <laughs> and he had his head turned. And the last second he's turned and looked in the direction I've thrown and this fucking Easter egg thing <laughs> square between the eyes. Right? And then him and his security have clocked me across the bar and they just come up and confront him. And I thought his security was going to punch me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then one of the sound technicians separated us and I went to the bar. Yeah. 
my sanctuary. Of course, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's come up and remonstrated. He's like, what'd you do that for? Yeah, yeah. I was like, ah, oh, mate, I was just pissed, just trying to get your attention. He's like, why do you want to get my attention? And I was like, ah, oh, well, look, mate, I thought, you know, your, your career's kind of on the downslide and yeah. <laughs> You need a, an up-and-comer to hit your wagon to, to sort of rehabilitate your credibility and reinvigorate this <laughs> failing career of yours. Who the fuck are you <laughs> calling me ass? <laughs> and anyway, this is the first night I was removed from the Exford. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> unlike Andrew Wolf, before I got to the Exford, uh, I made a, concer- a concerted effort to befriend the bouncers. Oh, and smart. have good chats with them and uh, they took care of me when they had to escort me out of the venue uh, and I went peacefully. Uh, and then I woke up the next day and so Ronnie told me the story. And I was like, yeah, fuck, I did do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I was talking to some of uh, the English comics so like, you should probably apologise, Corey. That's a bit of a fucking idiot thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I kept looking for him to go apologise and then the night he was in the bar to apologise, I was like, beaut, I'm going to go up compose my thoughts in the uh in the bar upstairs and then come down i've gone upstairs and uh some of chris franklin's crew uh were passing around a big joint which is common in this bar right and they just passed the baton to me and i've hit it and then the security guards come out who's smoking that and i was just like and i caught red and i had to take the rap for all the boys and so i had to leave i was like fuck there goes me opportunity to apologize are you having a mayor so anyway (laughs) The night I get clocked, uh, I go to the, the closing party at the Exford and uh, and I saw him. I got a ripped shirt and a big bloody swollen eye. And I was like, look, mate, I was completely out of line the other night and yep. uh, I was being a fucking idiot and I probably deserved a punch in the head. Yeah. But please accept my sincere apology. Uh, and he said, that's very gracious of you and I accept your apology, Corey. Yeah. Uh, and all's well that ends well. But um, oh, I had a only two complaints the whole time I was in Melbourne about some of my content which I was very disappointed about yeah right uh, one the bar manager who was uh, present at the show where the complaint was made uh, saw it and he goes nothing to worry about that yeah. was hilarious yeah yeah. Uh, second night I was flying after a show and uh, this woman came up to me she said look you were very funny yeah until oh. <laughs> you told the Israel joke <laughs> We're Jewish and it was completely unnecessary. It was just not funny at all. And I said, well, thank you for your constructive feedback. Are you able to elaborate or perhaps particularise what you found unnecessary or perhaps even hurtful? Yeah. Uh, And she said no and she walked off in a huff. Oh, Uh, fuck. And then this group of uh, Middle Eastern blokes came up to me and said, fuck them, bro, we love that Israel joke. Give us a fly, we'll be there. And then lo and behold, on the last night my show, right, I had a uh, <laughs> particularly good show and uh, there was a couple in there who were um, visibly affected by MDMA. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and anyway, after the show, they were trying to molest me, for want of a better phrase. <laughs> um, like, Come home with us, we've got all this MDMA and uh, we've got an apartment and a spa and we just want to sleep with you. And I was like, I'm not putting my mouth in a... My cock in the mouth is chewing like that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I politely refused the invitation. Yep. Uh, and then anyway, I walk out and there's another bloke I know from uh, my time as a criminal lawyer who's rocked up with a couple of uh, prostitutes <laughs> as plus ones. And he's like, do you want to come back for a drink with us? And I'm like, Look, mate, I'd love to, but I've got a party to go to. And I was just wrapping it up with uh, some of the people in my audience and, 
having a beer there at the front of the rubber chicken in South Melbourne and these two uh, Lebanese Eshe fellas came up full of booze and methamphetamine fresh out of Ramadan, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, fuck. And they've come in just causing chaos. They started racially abusing this uh, African guy and his wife in the pub and the publican's like, nah, fucking that's not on in here and mm. he's thrown them out and they had a scuffle. Yeah. Uh, at which point I started filming, right? And I was like, fucking content, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, the scuffle sort of ends and this bloke clocks me filming and he's come at me, you fucking filming, bro. And like, yeah. you know, very aggressive, swung a few punches and I dodged those. Oh, fuck. Um, so this was not related to comedy? Not related to comedy, but people said that those people were in the show. I don't have confirmation of that. I'm only relying on the first-hand accounts of people who were there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I sort of had this bloke at arm's length because I was worried he's going to, you know, hit mm. me and I had the right hand cocked and then one of the blokes from my audience in the front row just come up behind him like the fucking sneaker and just put him in a rear naked choke. Oh. And this guy's <laughs> gone fuck. from fucking, fuck, you go, oh, fuck, let me go, bro. Fuck, let me go. <laughs> it's over, bro. And uh, anyway, taps out. Yeah. Let's him go. And then he comes back like 30 seconds later with his mate and he's pushed over this bloke's girlfriend. Oh, fuck. So the two blokes I was with, they're going, fuck that. And they've gone, this bloke, and yeah. started hitting him. Uh, and then his mates come and started swinging punches at me. And here I am fucking standing on the streets of South Melbourne <laughs> with my blazer and my scarf <gasps> chafing with a fucking hammeroid throwing punches <laughs> in the middle of South Melbourne. Fuck. Uh, and cop one. And then... The police arrived. Uh, they arrested him. Uh, I gave him a, a brief statement. The copper, you know, she took my photos there. I think she liked me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, I can feel the psychological injury coming on. For the <laughs> conversation. You're now a victim. <laughs> I am a victim now, Branchy. I am a victim. Uh, so anyway, the moral of the story is always go home with the girl with the MDMA. <laughs> Or the bloke you used to work for who's come with the two Vietnamese hookers. Both of them were better options. That's fucking... <laughs> fucking hell. So oh, anyway... Man, uh, I thought this was all going to be like uh, through... Like some, someone didn't like a joke, you said. No, nah, well, look, I woke up on uh, the Sunday mor- or Monday morning. Um, my phone was going nuts and people were saying, mate, 3AW were talking about it on the radio. Mm. Um, but they were running it with the narrative, oh, these people didn't like what he had to say and they waited for him outside and yeah, that's not okay. what happened. And then Channel 9 got in contact with me and they're a trusted media partner <laughs> at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Yeah. So I fucking told them the truth. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't want it. I was like, good. Yeah. Uh, but then I used the Herald Sun and um, I told them what happened and they still ran with the wrong facts. Fucking hell. Uh, but this is, you know, Australian journalism, right? I mean, yeah. it's just clickbait. And because I had the footage of, or partial footage of what had happened, you mm. know, they used to put it behind the paywall and I didn't even fucking pay to read the story I was in. <laughs> uh, that's how much I give a fuck about the Herald Sun. But yeah. um, because Barry Humphreys had died uh, and the festival was on the ropes, I thought I'd use it as a chance to give him a little kick because if that had happened to one of their anointed establishment acts, oh, uh, yeah. there would have been a huge fanfare in the name of safety. Because the festival's obsessed with safety, right? The night after I've uh, been punched, I've gone to the festival club for the last night. And uh, they've got this... You ever been to a nightclub and there's that girl who at the line, she manages the line. Yeah. And she's just 
think she's so important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. there's one of these, you know, middle-aged white women with the black frame glasses and yeah. a little blo- torch checking everyone's artist pass because there's a huge market for counterfeit artist passes to get into <laughs> the NPC gallery. And uh, anyway, I was going in and uh, the first time, and this gentleman said, oh, I've left my pass at home. Mm. Uh, and one of the girls he was with, she, oh, look, he's a friend of mine. He worked on my show. And she's like, yeah, no worries, you can come in. Uh, and I've gone outside and I've come back in a second time and the guy that owned the venue I was performing at, he'd forgotten his artist pass. Yeah. He was wearing a shirt with the name of the venue on it. <laughs> and they wouldn't let him in. And I said, well, look, my artist pass has got the name of the venue. Yeah. And his shirt says the name of the venue. I, I can vouch for him. He is the, the publican. He's yeah. the, the venue owner. No, look, we really need to keep everyone safe in this venue. Oh, my God. And if you don't have an artist pass, you can't... Rules are rules. I was like, I just saw you bend the rules for one of your mates 10 minutes ago. Yeah, fuck. And are you getting aggressive with me? I said, no, I'm just pointing out hypocrisy. Yeah. Um, And then he was quite, you know, upset about it. He's like, I'm not going to be treated like this. Like, I'm a leper because I don't have an artist pass. Yeah. So, anyway, I've gone back in. And I said, I'll meet you down at the Exford where all the real people hang out. And yeah. uh, when I was walking out, I made a pointed comment, but this guy came in just as I was at the top of the stairs and he's like, oh, I forgot my artist pass. And she's like, yeah, I know you. I was like, hang on. <laughs> hang on, hang on, yeah, hang on. Fuck. What about my safety? <laughs> yeah. I just saw you refuse someone. That, and rules are rules. We can't just uh, approach them willy-nilly and, you know, tailor them to suit our friends. We've yeah. got to be consistent yeah. with the way you enforce rules. <laughs> Uh, and she's looked at me and she's like, are you okay? <laughs> I said, have a look at me. Do I look okay? I've got yeah. this beautiful... And she didn't make any mention of it. And the only bloke in the festival club who came and, you know, said, are you all right, mate? What happened? Yeah. He was an older white male in his 50s. Just came and asked. He said, are you all right, mate? But this girl who thought she was holding nuclear secrets in the festival club, checking yeah. everyone's artist pass. And, you know, the festival is obsessed with safety and sanitization. They didn't even check on you. And they didn't <laughs> even check on me. And they still haven't checked on me. And they won't check on me because uh, I'm giving them grief. And uh, <laughs> there's a bit more to come yet. Isn't that interesting that, like, you've actually been assaulted? They don't know what happened. For all they've read in the Herald Sun, it was, or in all the rumors that were going around, it was a, a patron of one of your shows. Surely that's something they should be investigating. Mate, every comedian in Melbourne knew about it Saturday night. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of stuff that happened in that venue. Obviously, Louis Spears had that controversy with the Tibetans over his joke about the Dalai Lama. and What, sucking the tongue? Yeah, so on the Tuesday night, um, my show, about five minutes to go, I start hearing this chanting outside. What the fuck? And they ruin my clothes. I go downstairs, there's 150 angry Buddhists. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> Jesus. With these ridiculous signs. They do not like, represent me. Lewis Spears is not funny. What do we want? Cancellation. When do we want it? Now. And uh, anyway, the coppers were there, you know, overseeing the whole thing. And I was a little bit pissed off because they ruined my clothes. And I've gone out to the coppers and I just said, when the fuck are you blokes going to get the rubber bullets out? Yeah. We all saw what you did in 2021. <laughs> yeah, At the fuck. very least, can I get a sling tackle? You know the judiciary's got your back <laughs> when they're going to get charged. <laughs> and to their credit, the coppers had a laugh. So yeah. the rubber chicken became the, uh, the hub for controversy during the uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival. And there's going to be some changes in that town next year for the festival. Yeah. 
Oh, I like that, that the coppers had a good laugh. And last time me and you did that Vox Pops at the the, the, the rally, like we we giving them shit. You were doing really well, but they laughed. They were Mate, great. They were awesome. During my time as a criminal lawyer, I had a different view to some of my colleagues who were very hostile. They had the ACAB view that all cops are bastards. I don't. Nah, yeah. My grandfather was a copper and he was the softest, most gentle, lovely bloke I've ever known in my life. There are a lot of people who go into it for the right reasons. And there are a lot of... The Victoria Police are very aware of the breakdown of the relationship between themselves and the community. Because every oh, copper yeah. will tell you that in order to be a good copper, you have to have the support of the community. Uh, they hemorrhaged a lot of good coppers and they're trying to repair the relationship. Mm. And if you go to Southern Cross train station, it is wall-to-wall advertising <laughs> to join Victoria Police. Yeah, wow. uh, and it makes you wonder how many good coppers left over what happened with mm. the jab and not what they were forced to do yeah. to their fellow citizens. Yeah. Uh, and I was making the point in my show, I was like, to be fair to the coppers though, mm. it does look like wicked fun. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like if I had a paintball gun and I got to walk through the wrecker by Just trying to purse <laughs> fucking, is that blue hair? <laughs> is now. You know, oh, look. Mate, you can rank. Now Delby's not here. You can fucking say ex- anything you want. Delby obviously needs the place for. Um, yeah, well, him and, look, and, I mean, those and places. festivals. I, like for me, it's, and I've got this fucking idea idea in my head, the same as like Buddha and, and Whitey and and stuff that we're creating this show next week with. You don't need festivals. You don't need no. all these. They're great, and I understand they're a platform mm-hmm. and they help a lot of. Um, upcoming comedians to you know financially get through some things and and they and they also host a platform for people to be able to see and expose themselves Mm. to new comedians i get that but for me if i want to build something like this i i'm way i'm thinking way past that sort of stuff i'm thinking our own brand i'm thinking our own shows and our own 100 percent. and this goes back to what peter bogosian was saying is that don't try and change the institutions. Mm. Build your own. Yeah, fucking own. And yeah. these things are cancelling themselves into irrelevance. And the analogy I use is uh, the taxi industry and Uber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's disruption. Yeah, and yeah. because they had a monopoly on it for so long, they haven't innovated. Mm-hmm. They've lost sight of their mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are completely disconnected from the reality of mainstream Australia in the same way that the universities were. And the left-wing thinkers privileged the university over the workplace and increasingly left-wing thinking became so disconnected from the real lives of everyday Australians, it turns into this gobbledygook. The same thing's happened in the arts, but there will be a correction. Uh, and people like us, mate, are, are driving it, and uh, it's been a joy to watch because for the first time I can remember, the good guys are winning mm. in the culture, and to see who sold tickets in Perth, Adelaide and Melbourne... Compared to who did it, <laughs> mate. And this is the thing I I, I love <clears throat> the fact that I've had a podcast through this whole thing. If I really want, I can go back and go right. What was I thinking? Mm-hmm. 2019. It's a time capsule. T- 2020, 2021. Where was my head at? What was going on? And I've got this time capsule that I can go back and go. Wow, you you've actually held yourself pretty well, and, and you can see the evolution or the consistencies, the hypocrisy, and you know what's that uh, old saying that. Journalism is the first draft of history. Well, I think podcasts might yeah. be the first draft of history going forward. 100%, mate. And if you want to do yourself a favour, go back and listen to our election special with Cameron McLaren and what we were talking about. We were watching the election in live action, for example, and to watch it unfold as it was happening, you can hear us talking about ex- all the stats, what's happening, and then 
overnight it completely changed when they stopped counting. You can hear us going, they stopped counting. Why have they stopped counting? And it's never happened before. So you can hear us actually seeing it all unfold in in real time. Now, two or three years later, they're going, why the fuck did it stop counting? Counting. Why did uh, why did this uh, this place stop counting because they had a fucking flood in the area and stuff like that? You can hear us talking about it in real time, and that's kind of cool to have those sorts of ones. For example, um, in pl- yeah, as a time capsule in time. Well, it's like a digital journal of your own thoughts too, and not just your thoughts, but the thoughts of others and some of the the prevailing uh, modes of thinking of mm. the culture at the time. So. Yeah, mate, uh, you guys should be very pleased with yourselves for what you've uh, mm. built here. And, you know, I, I teased you a little bit at first, I remember. And, uh, you know, I'm the first one to put my hand up and go, you know, that was a bit of a shit thing to do. But, <laughs> uh, you know, good on you guys. You've done great things and you've built a, a very good following. And, uh, you know, like I said, information is the currency of democracy and we have a currency crisis. And mm. podcasts like this are the new currency of yeah. information. And, hey... There might be shit currencies. <laughs> uh, it might be the repeater, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, but we can't rely on the existing institutions to provide us with anything in depth yeah. uh, and correct. We but might get it wrong, yeah. but at least we'll admit when we got it wrong. Like, remember when we were the uh, the election in the US, red wave? Yeah. Didn't materialise. Didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as, we were, as we were talking. And yeah, yeah. you go, okay, we got that one wrong. Yeah. And as I said to some of the people I disagreed with about the COVID stuff, yes, I will put my hand up and admit that I was wrong. Do you see how fucking easy it is? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not hard to admit that you're wrong and it shows a depth of character and no one's right all the time. Mm. No, exactly. And, um, mate, and that, you're not the only person to have said that about the pod lately and that's re- it's fucking awesome. Even McCann was talking about it and yeah the people, when <laughs> more bastards yeah, episodes yeah. didn't get recorded mate, it was such a f- <laughs> such a fun episode oh, mate, we'll he's one of the it. most interesting minds in australian comedy for me there's there's uh, probably six or seven minds in in the business that i really uh respect and i disagree with on a great many things i mean mccann's a fucking crazy bloody Cat- old school Catholic, Catholic yeah. goes to Latin mass and shit. And I saw him in Adelaide sitting there with all the old Latin priests and yep. uh, he's a very eccentric cat, but, but, but very smart and very funny. And leans into the most uh, horrific jokes as well. Like oh, I did man. not anticipate that from him. I saw, the, so the best sets I've seen of stand-up in uh, the last three months, James McCann, did one at the Fat Cave in Adelaide mm-hmm. uh, and it blew the roof off. And it was just one of those sets that fucking nobody wants to follow it. Yeah. Um, and the, as a comedian, they're the best sets to do. And the second one was Jojo Sutherland, the Scottish, but who's uh, one of us. One of us. And uh, she's the funniest woman I've seen and none of the fucking agencies want to touch her. Yeah. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. Uh, Crackers McCann, as I like to call him. Yeah, like to see him back on the pod because he's got some very interesting views. Oh yeah, he, d- he certainly did, and I am devastated that episode didn't get recorded. But uh, we'll get him back on. But uh, mate, anything you want to plug before we finish up? We actually went for a while without Delby. Uh, another hour. No, it's got us him. nice to not be interrupted by these <laughs> incessantly <laughs> shit puns all the time. I lo- uh, yeah. I thought I was the fucking the title holder for the worst puns in Australian comedy but fucking Delby's chasing me down it is a bit, it's a bit more of a slower there's less ca- there's a 
but there's a better cadence in some ways, and then but at the same time, when he's here, it does add a bit of flow and jazz to it. So yeah, he will be back next week after this. But yeah, uh, no, yeah, nothing you want to plug? Uh, no, but uh, Kate, you're if you're in Sydney uh, or Brisbane, uh, or New South Wales, Queensland, generally. Uh, keep your ears and eyes peeled because I'm going to be announcing some shows. Peel. I'm going to uh, continue the cultural election up the eastern seaboard. I want to see it in Perth comprehensively. <laughs> I want to see it in Adelaide comprehensively. And I want to see it in Melbourne comprehensively. So Sydney and Brisbane will fall just the same as the other three did. So, uh, yep, we are going to make Australian comedy great again. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. we are going to give it back. To the people, instead of letting these vicious ideologues retain it and sanitise it and ruin it for everyone. Because we need comedy now more than ever. I think it was Isaac Asimov that said, in times of prosperity, laughter is a pleasure. And in times of hardship, laughter is a necessity. So I'm going to the business of necessity, uh, which is catharsis and laughter. And in in humour there is truth and in truth there is humour and... I don't want it to sound too fucking romantic about the whole thing, but uh, I am a romantic at heart, and all cynics are romantics at heart. I love that, mate. That's uh, that's awesome. And if you do want to see uh, Corey next week, where you're on it, um, up and oh joke, yeah, up and joke. Which uh, oh, I am blurry, so anyone watching at home, yeah, sorry. YouTubies, um, cameras over there. Can't be bothered going over there. Oh. But uh, yep, Corey's on uh, at up and joke. It's going to be fucking. Incredible! It's a loose show, uh, and you, yeah. There's a, there's not many tickets left, and uh, yeah, what we filmed this morning is pretty silly, <laughs> so I, mate. I'm half expecting you to get charged uh, for yeah. what you did this morning. Well, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, there's tickets. Uh, link is in the in the bio and our thing uh, in our website and stuff. So. Yeah, get some tickets. Uh, I've got nothing to plug except for the show. And then after that, I'm going to start doing some more stand-up because I really enjoy the, the joke writing process. Well, and it's been yeah. a pleasure. You know, one of my favourite things about stand-up is is watching the development of people who have started out and the progression mm-hmm. and to see them from when they struggled at the beginning and then to that point where you've got your first good 10 minutes or you've got that great joke and, yeah. you, and you see the sense of achievement and satisfaction in them. And yeah. That's a really beautiful thing and I, and I enjoy that and part of what I'm doing with uh, my career in stand-up is I'm going to try and foster the next generation because we were failed by our elders. I mean, the Will Andersons of the world yeah. failed us and the art form terribly mm. uh, and I won't let the same thing happen to the generation that comes after me. So oh, foster the good people and uh, you reap what you sow because you Put oh, back in a hundred percent, and that, and having been on, uh, having Ed Byrne on last week, and such a wealth of knowledge, and really affirmed some of my thoughts on like I'm not, I'm not good enough at the moment to take on some of the subjects I'd love to tackle. So for him to be talking about that, um, and then affirm my belief of like, hey, I'm starting to build some jokes, I'm starting to build confidence on stage, but. Uh, I'm quite fine with my just set up punch, set up punch, mm. silly at the moment while I'm just trying to work and learn the craft and to have someone on with that sort of, well, you know, wealth of experience. Um, and that's what, I mean, Nick Sun said this to me years ago uh, and I just watched um, Doug Stanhope and I was kind of in awe about it and goes, mate, it's just experience, right? Mm. Um, it's like anything with surfing, you know, the longer you do it, the more comfortable you are, the way you know how to, go about it so uh, there is no substitute for experience and there are no shortcuts to success in Mm. this business 
unless you're represented by a token or century. <laughs> and the Melbourne Comedy Festival props you up. Oh, this is a beautiful story before I go. Yeah, of course, yeah. So uh, one of the celebrated uh, establishment acts was on at the gala. Yeah. Big oh, of deal. Course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wanted a spot at the show I was running. Yeah. <laughs> and the bloke I was running it with, Joe, he's like, can you book this person? I was like... Mate, this is a fucking no-fly zone for establishment comedians. If you've been on the gala, you don't need this, you know, hundred seater that sold out to flog your tickets. Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want this person on, but I compromised, and I was like, "This person can go on," but the deal is, they've got to go on after me. <laughs> and I went out and fucking absolutely set fire to it. Oh, c- uh, and this poor comedian had to go on after me and tried to have a crack at me. In the yeah, opening right. of the set, and it just fucking failed. Oh, and you, you could just see an ego deflating oh. by the minute as the laughter dried up like <laughs> the Yangtze River, and it was mwah. Oh, mate, so, you'll have to tell me after the pod who that was. That's, uh, that's incredible, mate. You are doing fucking great things. Uh, I'm enjoying having you on, and the listeners love it when you're on, so... It's always good for our charts when you're on, so you come oh, on as look, much as you uh, want, mate. <laughs> what, did, what did Gracker say in uh, Gladiators? I, I don't claim to be a man of the people, <laughs> but I do try and be a man for the people. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Enjoy, uh, listeners. Take care. Be good to yourselves, and I'll see you next time. Perfect. Cheers. Adios. Hooroo.